One more time, will you please give Pastor Brad a big round of applause? Thank you. Thank you very much. I've got to keep this up here. Renee will be snatching that from me. Well, I also want to say happy Father's Day to all the, all the fathers that are in the house today. Uh, if your father's not here, happy Father's Day to him. Um, but that being said, I'd like to, because uh, y'all have got the rest of the day. There's going to be Father's Day stuff going on all day, probably. I'd like to transition now from uh, us earthly fathers uh, to our heavenly father. And, and how much more do we need to celebrate? You know, when we talk about our earthly fathers, we celebrate Father's Day. You know, we, we celebrate that. But do we really celebrate our Heavenly Father on Father's Day? And that's what I want to do today. I want to take a fresh look, a new perspective. Maybe you've heard some of this stuff before, but maybe you just need to hear it again. God wants to remind you of some things, kind of remind you who you are, what the Word says about you, to encourage you. So when you leave here today, you're walking with your head up. Maybe that spirit of depression that's been on you falls off today. I just have an excitement about this Word today. I have an excitement what God's going to do. And I, I, I've always been taught that the, 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 uh, the spirit of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. When I expect God to show up, when I expect him to do something in my life, guess what? He usually does because he's faithful and just. He, he always comes through. He's never failed me. Now, he might not have come through like you wanted him to, but he never failed you. God never fails it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I wish that our earthly fathers could be as good as that, but we try, right? We try, but we fall short sometimes. So today, let's take a look at our Father. Go to me to uh, Romans 8. We're going to look at 14 through 17. Romans 8, 14 through 17. Today's message is called Chosen. And it's a, it, it, you know, I didn't know that, that Landon was going to do some of these songs. We talked about one song, but there's a theme going on today. And uh, that first song was certainly talking about being chosen, right? Uh, I had no idea he was doing that song, and, and, and he already had that picked before the word was chosen. So there's something God's trying to do here. You're not here by accident. You showed up. Maybe some of you didn't even want to get out of bed this morning, but uh, you made it. And so God's got a word for you. And anytime there's a, a now word, that means you can walk out of here with something that you didn't have that you were lacking in when you came in. And that's the kind of word you want to you grab onto. So I'm going to ask you, this is a word that I believe that you can pull back out on a regular basis and remind yourself of these things we're about to learn because they're easy to forget. They're easy to let the world tell us who we are and, and not uh, the word remind us who we are. So write some notes, put it in your phone, whatever, or, and it's going to be online. But you're, this is one you're going to want to pull back out. And I don't say that I, just bragging or anything. I just, I just know that's what the God is doing today. So Romans 8, and then we'll start in 14. I went Romans 8, 14 through 17. Hold on one second. <laughs> what did I do here? I'll just read it off the board. All right, four, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Are you led by the Spirit of God? So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. 
For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we also must share his suffering. That last part's not kind of what we want to hear a lot of times. But you want to look at one word there in particular is the word adopted. Now, I don't know, is, do we have anybody in here that was adopted? You don't have to raise your hand, but if, you know, I'm sure almost in every room, there's somebody, quite, thank you, that's been adopted or maybe has adopted somebody. In today's view, adoption is, is, is a great thing. We, we encourage adoption. We encourage people to, to take on those children that are not wanted, that don't have homes, that, that are you know, orphans and things. But as, as the adopted one, Typically, a lot of times, you don't look at it that way. You look at it more from the negative, I was abandoned, not wanted, just cast aside, and, 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 and I had to be taken into another family because my own family didn't want me. And so we look at adoption a certain way. And today, I want to take you into New Testament times because adoption wasn't meant to be looked at that way. In fact, it, it, it was meant to be looked at and Paul talked about it in a certain way, and we're going to dig into that today. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Ephesians 1, verse 5. We're going to go through a lot of scriptures. You probably just want to jot them down, take a note in your, in your phone, whatever you need to do. These are the scriptures I want you to have as a weapon of warfare when the enemy comes and tries to tell you that you're something that God says you're not, you pull out one of these scriptures and slap them across the face with it. God says it is written, and you remind them what the word says. I am a child of God. Amen. I'm not a slave to fear. And you, 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 you exercise your authority as a member of the family of God that you've been given and you forgot that you had. So Ephesians 1 then we'll do five and six. I've got so many bookmarks in here, I can't find the right ones. Okay, Ephesians 1, 5 through 6. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. A couple of things there. God decided in advance. God knew long ago you were going to be a member of his family. He didn't make you be a member of the family. He just knew that one day you'd say yes, that you'd want to be a part of that family. And he says this is what he wanted to do. You weren't adopted by God just because he had to. You're not part of the family of God because you're required to be. This is what God desires, what he wanted to do. You were desired, you were wanted, and then you were chosen. You're special. You're separated out as, as a child of God, as a woman of God, as a man of God. You are specially chosen to be this this family member. I don't know what family you grew up in and how that family looked. If it was a great family and you loved being a part of it, or if it was broken and torn and messed up, or you fall somewhere in the middle. But there's always the family of God that you re got to remember that, you know, even though this looks bad or this is falling apart, this family is secure. 
And sometimes I got to step into the role of this family and go, you know what? This is stuff God needs to take care of. And he will, because I'm an heir, I have the authority, and I will pray that he will take care of these things. But I got to remember, no, I, I'm, I'm in the family of God. I belong there. He wanted me. He chose me in advance, way back before you were born. There is no mistakes in this room. See, we think that if for some reason that we were adopted out, that we were a mistake, that somebody messed up, and we didn't get to where we were supposed to go. And God said, no, with me, you're never a mistake. I always knew you were going to be my son. I always knew you were going to be my daughter, and I rejoice in heaven for it. It's so special, this adoption thing. It's a wonderful thing. You're wanted. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, so just a little up over on the, on the page, or maybe it's your next page. Ephesians 2, 19, jot that one down. Especially these first four, the things that I, I believe, if you're going to remind yourself about this adoption, that you need to have ready to go. 2.19 says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are a member of God's family. Guess what? You belong somewhere. Somebody wants you. They have chosen you to be a part of their family. And rejection and that spirit of rejection that the world wants to throw onto you by telling you you're not wanted, you're not desired, you'll never be chosen by anybody. Maybe you felt like I was the last one picked all through life. Or maybe you were the first one picked, but you never felt worthy of it. There was always something in the back of your mind that said, you don't quite measure up. Because it could have been just that one word. And sometimes it's from a father who says something like, man, you're just never going to make it. You can't do that type of thing, son. Move on. I'm not sure I believe that you can accomplish those things. And it's done by ignorance sometimes. Because as fathers, we just mess up sometimes. We do things and say some, some things that are just out of, just wrong sometimes. And my son soaks in what I tell him. Soaks it up. My daughters too. They soak it up. Your kids as well. And sometimes I say the wrong things. I'm not the right example. And I want them to know that in those times, they always have the perfect example. They always have the right thing said to them if they go to the word of God. Because I'm going to fail them. Even though I love them to death, I am going to fail them at times. No matter how hard I try, I will let them down. But this word endures forever. This word never fails we got to know where we belong to, whose we are. we got to have these things in us. Thank God I'm a member of his family. And maybe you've never had a family, or you don't even want your family anymore because it's so messed up. you got a family today. You have a family today that is solid, one you can brag about. You go tell your friends about, man, let me tell you about my family. And look around you. These are your family members Brothers and sisters, that's why we call fellow Christians brother or sister. You know, we, we do those things. And it, to the outside world, it seems weird sometimes. But we know that we're a family. We sometimes forget, but we should know that we're a family. 
We look out for each other. We take care of each other. And then guess what we do? We try to find a way to multiply, to go therefore and multiply. Be fruitful. Reproduce yourself. Because we want to add to the family of God. Who in your life needs to be added to the family of God and they don't even know it exists because you haven't spoken up yet? May today change your mind about who you are so you have the boldness to minister to that person that you never minister to. Boldness is important when we're doing this thing because we have to know it, we have to believe it, we have to declare it. See, there's a lot of things that we declare as Christians. We don't, I don't believe in the, the naming and claiming. I'm not going to go around and claim that I, you know, God, never mind, uh, that God's going to tell <laughs> that God, it, 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 I'm going to be rich, you know, and God's going to just declare it. I'm going to be rich. It's not how he operates. But I declare his word because it changes the very atmosphere that you're in. His word accomplishes what it sets out to do. His word does not return void. So I continue to declare his word knowing that it does something. And that's all I'm doing when I declare this thing and speaking it out. It's saying, Lord, I come into alignment with your word. My life maybe not be, hasn't been looking like your word, but I'm going to declare this word and know that my life will come back into alignment with this word because that God's path is straight and true. Mine looks a little zigzaggy sometimes. I'm probably not the only one, right? We all get a little, a little zigzaggy. Galatians 3.29. Galatians 3.29. So right there in the same neighborhood, back a little bit. Okay, Galatians 3.29, it says, And now that you belong to Christ, or maybe now that you remember again, now that you've been reminded, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. There's a difference in being an heir in God's family and then being an heir in a, in, a, in a worldly family. The biggest difference is that in a worldly family, in order to get an inheritance, somebody that is in your family has to first die to pass on that inheritance for you to be the heir of that inheritance, the heir apparent. But somebody has to, to die for that. In God's family, when you join the family... You automatically are an heir, and you get your inheritance right then. You already get to operate in your inheritance. That's why when you see uh, the story where the, 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 uh, the prodigal son runs off, guess what? His dad didn't die to get his inheritance for him to go run off. He already had his inheritance. He already had all the money and everything with him, and then he ran out and squandered that. But yet even that story says he came back to the father. Guess what? He didn't lose his name. He didn't lose his rights and authority. He didn't lose all that stuff. He didn't even lose the fact that he was still an heir. He came back into the family that he had never left really and rejoined up and, and got back in line with God's word. And the father rejoiced over that. So don't ever let your life dictate how you are with God. Because that's the easiest thing to do is say, man, I am too far off into this thing. I am too far in the weeds to be getting open this Bible today, to be listening to this praise music. I'm just not worthy to do that. And that is the lie from the pit of hell. That's the time when you need to get into that stuff. That's the time when you need to turn the music up on the Christian station. 
That's the time when you need to get the Bible out and read it till you believe it, man. Just get in it. <laughs> Just keep reading it. Because it's easy to stay away from those things. Because guess what? They're convicting. If you're being convicted, good news, the Spirit of God lives in you. <laughs> That's good stuff. Let the Word convict you. This reminds you, once again, who I am. You are an heir of, uh, of, of, the, of the Word of God. I'd like to share with you guys just a video. We're talking about adoption, and this is a, uh, a short video I'd like to share with you. I have to remind that girl every day that she's wanted and valuable because that's my daughter, Shelby, Shelby Emmons. And I adopted her when she was just a, a little bitty girl. She was about one and a half, and her father had abandoned her. But I wanted her. And adoption is so special because I chose her. I had to choose her to be a part of her family. I had to, to make a commitment and, and go before a judge and have a lawyer there and do, let the lawyer process it all. I had, to I had to do some things on purpose. It did sit and fall on my lap. And not to say that us as birth children don't have a great deal of value. I'm not saying that. But there's a special thing about adoption. I wanted that girl. I needed that girl in my life, and I chose her, and every day she's a part of my life, but yet still she feels rejected sometimes, just like we do. And as a father, I remind her, you're good enough, Shelby. You're not, you're not rejected. I wanted you. Because that's the thing that wants to come against us, right, is to remind us and tell us you're just not good enough. You, you were rejected by people. All your life, people have, have, have pushed you away. And I need the Father to remind me, like I got to do for Shelby, my daughter. And if I can do it for Shelby, my daughter, and I'm just a human man, a human father, how much greater will the creator of the universe remind you of who you are? Stamp his name on you and say, this one's mine. 
I'll never give up on you. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. See, all these words that we quote sometimes start to have more of a meaning when we understand the spirit of adoption and what it means in our life. You know, when, when I went to do the adoption, it was, it was interesting because she was, you know, she, she was little. She was like 18 months, maybe 20 months. And uh, we had to go stand before a judge. And she held my hand. And the judge literally asked her, uh, sweetie, do you want this man to be your father? She had to make a, a declaration that day. Now, I don't know if that would have actually made a difference because only one and a half. She said, no, I don't know what that would have happened. But he asked her, just like... You do as a child of God when you came into the family. Somebody said, hey, have you ever given your heart to Jesus? Do you want to be a part of this family? And you say, yeah, man, I, I want to be a part of that family. And that's what Shelby did that day. She reached up, grabbed my hand, and she said, yes. She told that, that, that I want him to be my daddy. And I became her daddy that day. I became her father. And that never goes away. It never ends. I'm, I'm not going to give or give up on that girl. And within that, there was a process. There was somebody involved that was a mediator. Go with me to Job 9.33. I know what you're thinking now. Like, man, he's over in Job now. <laughs> this has got to get encouraging. <clears throat> Poor Job. You know, and this, this verse is he's going through so much. And he's, he's just had some really bad days. If you think you've ever had bad days... You just need to go read some Job. It'll kind of remind you, like, eh, I'm not too bad off. <laughs> you know? Eh, just gotta stop, I've got to stop complaining. Job went through some stuff, right? And we all do. We all do for sure. So in Job 9.33, finally Job just cries out. He says, if only there was a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. Job, in his trials, in his tribulations, realized that he needed somebody to come between him and God, the Father, because for some reason, something wasn't clicking right. He felt like, I need a mediator. In courtrooms today, we call that a lawyer. Uh, you've got me, the potential father. You've got, or the judge is the mediator. You've got the judge, the mediator, and you've got a little girl named Shelby on the other side. And that person in the middle is called the mediator. And Job says, man, we're lacking one thing. If only there was a mediator between us, between the child of God and the father, if there was somebody in the middle to broker this thing, that would bring us together. Now go with me to 1 Timothy 2.5. 1 Timothy 2.5. God answered that cry, and he sent us our mediator. Verse 2, 5 says, There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. That man, the man, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. We have that mediator. Job didn't have, Jesus hadn't come on the scene yet uh, in, in, in fleshly appearance. If that... You know, She'll be called me while I'm preaching. <laughs> <laughs> Job 
Jesus hadn't come on the scene yet. He recognized the need. There's something missing in this process. God answered and, and filled in that void with Jesus Christ as the mediator. So now the man in the middle is Jesus Christ. He stands between you, the child of God, or potential child of God, and over here you've got the Father, just like that up there. You've got a man in the middle willing to stand up on your behalf, speak on your behalf, represent you at no charge for the Father for, for your business with the Father. Now, this is interesting. I pulled up, just a while ago, I pulled up mediator. This is what it, it means in, in the, just the, the definition of mediator. A person who attempts to make people involved in a conflict come to an agreement, a go-between. And some of the synonyms are this, an arbitrator, an arbiter, a negotiator, conciliator, peacemaker, go-between, middleman, intermediator, moderator, intervener, intercessor. Ooh, doesn't the Bible talk about that he intercedes on your behalf? We start to see some depth going on here when we think about the man in the middle in this adoption story that you're a part of. Jesus Christ is in the middle, and he has brokered the agreement for your adoption. He has paid the price with his blood, with his sweat, with his tears, with his pain and anguish. He brokered the deal because you couldn't do it. You couldn't stand before our holy God. So he stands between you and God and says, we adopted this one, Father. He's ours. We adopted her, Father. She is ours. She's part of the family. Thank God for the mediator, the only mediator. It's, it's really interesting when you start to look into some of this stuff. I think it enriches your reading time with the Lord. Because when you start to read, understanding who you are, that you were adopted, and what adoption means, you start to get a better picture of that. So even to dig in just a little bit farther, I'd like to take a look at what Paul, Paul's point of view was about adoption. Because here is Paul. Most of the stuff I've been quoting is from Paul in the New Testament. Paul, mighty man of God, wrote a, most of the New Testament. Here he is talking about adoption over and over again, but what was his perception? Because we have a perception today, but it was his perception different. Will that give us a little bit more substance into our study today? So we look at this, and we had to understand that Paul's understanding of adoption was from the culture that he lived in. He perceived and he lived in a culture where adoption meant certain things. So when we understand those certain things, it will bring more fullness to the word of God And when we talk about adoption. He talked of the Roman concept of adoption. That's when, when he spoke of it, he was referring to the Roman concept of adoption. He lived in a, in a, in a Roman society because and, 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 they had come and take over at that time. And he lived there, and, he, and, and when he saw adoption, it was based on those, uh, those, those traditions. That is somewhat different than adoption of today. When it was adoption in the New Testament, when a child was born biologically, the parents had the option of disowning the child for a variety of reasons. Is that different today? No, it's absolutely not different today. When you're born into a family, and for some reason they feel like they can't take care of that child, or they, 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 they just aren't ready to be a parent, they can disown that child. You see it in the movies where they're left on the steps of the orphanage, or maybe you've heard about the stories where they walk out of the, the hospital and leave that child there, the child left in a dumpster. There, there's, it's, it's rampant today that there's children that are not wanted and are abandoned. That, too, is obviously a part of that, the culture there. They had to have no particular reason. There was the option of disowning the child for a variety of reasons. They, they, for a lot of reasons, they could just say, you know what, I don't want this child. 
the relationship was not necessarily desired by the parent nor permanent. Some people get pregnant by accident and don't want a child. But when you adopt, you've got to want that child to take it. See, I, I already know what I'm doing. It wasn't, well, we made some mistakes and now we're having a child. No, when I'm adopted by God's family, it's done on purpose, just like it was with Shelby. I had to choose her just like you're chosen. So adopting a child meant a few different things. That that child was chosen by the parents and desired. So just like I did with Shelby, but also in, in, in the New Testament times, when a child was adopted, they were particularly chosen and back then, they came, they came in and worked, worked in the family, and they, a lot of times they played a specific role in that family, but they were chosen. They went out and chose this child. A lot of times, based on the, on, the, on, the, on the reasoning, because the child was being rejected by a different family. So a child coming from a spirit of rejection was chosen in the spirit of adoption, and things started to change. Number two, that child would be a permanent part of the family. Parents, by law, this is by law, the law that Paul lived in. So when he's talking about this, and just let this soak in, because it might answer some of those questions you had starting next week. By law, could not disown a child they adopted. Get that in your mind. When you were adopted into a family in those times, there wasn't no second adoption. There was no, I'm going to give this child away. They were permanently part of your family. No matter what they did. That's why the, the father didn't disown the, the guy that ran away with the inheritance. He was a permanent part of the family. But, in a, but a birth child could still be given away. I, that, see, there's, there's a difference there. That's why he didn't say, you know, even though we're born again, but when we're born again, we're, we're being born into the family of God, and he takes in a spirit of adoption. He takes the stance of adoption in his relationship with you. And thank God he does. Because I don't want a relationship where somebody can say, you know what, I'm tired of you. You don't live up to my standards. You're not living in my word. You're not understanding what I'm trying to do in your life. You don't do the right things all the time. I'm giving up on you. No, I want a spirit of adoption in my life that says, yes, son, you messed it up. You missed the, you missed the mark. But I'm never giving up on you. I cannot by law. Get that in your heads because many of you ask, can I lose this thing? Not because when you're adopted. Can you give it up intentionally and walk away? Another, another, another question, different question. But when you're adopted in the family of God, you're never given up on. You understand? The law dictates that you cannot. This is the point of view that Paul had. See, I got to understand that first. I can't look at it from today's point of view. Because I'm sure there's some kids that are adopted today that, guess what, are left back at the orphanage a few months later are given up on a second time. It didn't work that way back then. Maybe we had to change that today. Maybe somebody would go say, you know what? Adoption shouldn't be that way. Number three, the child received a new identity. An example would be Shelby. That day, one of the things that were put before the judge was a change in name. She came in, named one thing. She left out an Emmons. She became changed in her identity, even by what she was called. When you come into the family of and are adopted, your identity literally changes on whose family you belong to. It didn't matter if you came from a, a, a family that just never was there for you. Suddenly now, you come from the best of families. 
You came from the right side of the tracks. You come from a family that's not full of drug addicts. You come from a family that's got the best of things. A father that owns a, a cattle on a thousand hills. You come from a wealthy family that's got re, uh, such authority in the world. And yet, sometimes we don't act like that, do we? We don't always walk that way, do we? We start walking like we're the same old people that were before we gave our life to Jesus, before we were adopted. Today, let it, if it's nothing more than just a reminder that who I am is who God says I am, I've been given a new name, a new identity. I needed to remember that today. I needed to walk out of here a little bit bolder than I came in. Number four, any prior commitments were erased. Number five, new rights and responsibilities were taken on. See, your whole family's changing, the whole dynamic, your identity, your responsibilities, what you were accountable to, everything starts to change. Number six, the child immediately became an heir of the family. That's what I was talking about earlier. The child immediately became an heir of the family, joint heir in all possessions and fully united to the father. That's what he saw as adoption in the New Testament times. He saw that when a child was adopted, it immediately became a full rights heir. It wasn't a second-class citizen. Well, you were adopted in that family. But how much do adopted kids feel like that sometimes? What is feel like, I say we, because I've got one, I can understand that point of view, but sometimes they feel like second-class citizens. That's why Shelby got up there and said, it's the most wonderful gift in the world. It's a gift from God. But yet, sometimes I feel like this. Did you see that? Did you catch that part? Well, she was talking about the negative aspect. It wasn't the negative of being adopted. It was the negative of the perception of the people who say, when they know she's adopted, and the, the, uh, the father who, who should have raised her and didn't. But they become an heir. And you imagine, as soon as you become that heir, you receive your inheritance. I mean, you can imagine if we, as a family of God, walked in the authority of, of those, not only, not only their heirs to the kingdom of God, but we've inherited the kingdom of God. If we were actually walking that thing, how powerful we could be. Would there be all this chaos and stuff is going on, if we stood up as a people and said, no, this is what we're doing, this is what we believe in, and we walked in that authority, and that authority is based on love. Do you understand that? There takes a great amount of love to do it for, for an adopt, to adopt a child, a huge amount of love and a huge commitment. It's not an easy thing. And when God does that, he commits a great amount of love to you. He pours that into you on a daily basis. Like I said, sometimes we got to remind that adopted one that they're, they, that they, they're wanted. Because like I said, Shelby forgets. And there's, I'm sure there's plenty of nights that she's falling asleep crying because the spirit of rejection tries to come upon her again. And then we'll talk and I'll remind her, no, honey, I wanted you. So adoption is a constant reminder that we are fully desired and fully loved. Go with me. The last scripture is John 8, 35. 8, 35. I'm going to have the band come on, come, on, come on and come back up real quick. John 8, 35. Now here, this, this is, we, like, we got to get to a point where we kind of start wrapping some things up before we head into the next thing. John 8, 35. A slave is not a permanent member of the family. But a son or a daughter is part of the family forever. Let that sink in. I'm sure you have heard many different aspects of eternal salvation and all these different things like this. 
But this should speak to you greatly. And if you're still not getting it, ask God to reveal it to you. Because if adoption doesn't show you of where and how your standing is with God in the long term, then you're just not getting it. Hopefully you got enough, pull the scriptures back out. Like I said, sometimes we're going to forget and you pull those scriptures back out and remember, I love that verse. It means the world to me to know that it is forever that I'm a part of God's family. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't live and be committed to something that I thought would, uh, that I could lose. And I walk away from God sometimes in my life. I've done that. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you're walked away right now. You're sitting here and you're like, Man, I don't feel like a child of God. I don't feel like I'm part of that family. Man, I, don't, I, I just don't really know. I hear what you're saying, and I, and I get it. It's, it's making some sense, but I, it doesn't, it's not here. It hasn't gotten in here. And if it's not in here, man, I'm sure not talking like it. I'm talking like I'm defeated, like I'm unwanted, unloved. Like nobody has a care for me. And maybe you want that to change today. So we're going to sing this song we sung earlier today. It says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because I am a child of God, right? We're going to sing this thing to declare it. I got the kids coming in. Because when kids worship, things happen. (laughs) I love when kids worship. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're not going to have a traditional altar call. We're not going to have you, uh, you know, necessarily raise your hands and, and do, uh, you know, ask you questions or anything like that. Here's what I want you to do. The band's going to come up. We're going to sing this song one more time. What I'd ask for you to do is to get out of your seats, come to the front, and worship. This is an altar call between you and the Father for him to wrap his arms around you and remind you that you are loved, wanted, desired, because there's nothing like the hug of a father. Mothers as well. But there's, there's something about when a father embraces you, it makes you feel like you can do anything in the world. It makes you feel like you can conquer. You can get back up again. You can believe in yourself again when the Father wraps his arms around you. And when we get in that spirit of worship and praise, that's what begins to happen. You feel the love of the Father envelop you. So if you came in second-guessing yourself, who you are, your destination, your purposes, everything, come to the front and let God minister to you. I will have some prayer team members up here. Uh, Pastor Don and Jerry be up here. Pastor Scott. If you need to give your heart to Jesus, if you said, you know what, Brad, this sounds awesome, but I haven't been adopted in yet, and I'd love to be a part of a family that never gives up on me. I'd love to give my life to somebody who wants me, and that is, if you feel that tugging on your guard, guess what? That's the Holy Spirit choosing you. <laughs> You're being chosen right where you sit. And if you need to do that, come up. They'll pray with you real quick. It's a simple prayer. Basically, the Bible says you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And when we start to do some of this stuff, we start to exercise in that because when we declare something, when we sing it out, we start to, we start, you know, coming to align with that word. And this song is very much word-based. So we're going to dim the lights and just sing and just worship God for a few minutes and then I'll dismiss you guys and we can go do all of our Father's Day stuff. But today, this moment, this one moment, please let it be about the Heavenly Father. Let's celebrate Him and worship Him just like you will your, your, your birth father the rest of the day. Barbecues, all that good stuff. This is God's moment. This is the one who adopted you, the one that's never given up on you, the one that says you can do all things through Christ and He believes in you. Give Him your moment.
whether it's at your seat or here in the front, give them your moment, your full attention, and then, and then we'll move on with our day, okay? Let's do that.
I want everybody to join in this last part. We're going to really sing out in praise because you're doing three things. You're telling God, I line up with your word today. You're telling the devil that he is a liar and you are a son and daughter of the Most High. And you're telling everybody around you that I am with you and I'm part of your family. Sing it out. Get up to the front. Do something different than you normally do. In Jesus' name. We're this close to having your breakthrough, this close, and some of you already are, and you're worshiping, you're finding yourself falling all in love again with with the Father, but some of you are this close to walking out of here transformed, your thinking changed, your, your actions different, your heart abundant in something that's not in right now. Because guess what? When your heart's abundant in the things of God, you speak of the words of God. You speak as authority. You speak of one that's been chosen. And you're this close. Don't give up on it yet. Let's go. We're going to sing this one little part one more time. And if you haven't come to the front, you know you need to. Just come up here. It's not about positioning. It's about saying, God, I want nothing else. I want to be right here in front of you, Lord. I want to come to the altar. And we'll finish this thing strong. Let's go out with a shout. Give it our best. We are the family of God. We are chosen. We are the family, sons and daughters of the Most High. Sing like it. Believe it in everything in you. And I guarantee you, you'll see a difference in your life leaving here today.
Give it up for Jesus. Let's, let's, let's clap for the Father. Father's Day for the Father. And I want to tell you, that last one, we got there. Man, I felt it. I just felt the Spirit of the Lord says, there it is. There it is. The people came together. The family of God were celebrating in worship. And I, y'all got where you needed to get today. But don't let it just dwindle as you leave out of here and you go throughout your week. Let it be a part of you. Remind yourself daily of this word. And then the word that you read on a daily basis will become more fuller. You'll be able to receive that word a lot easier. So praise God that he has revealed to you that you are a son and daughter today. Amen. So, hey, let's go out. Fathers, go celebrate your kids. Kids, go celebrate your fathers. Give them attention. Give them love. And let's just have a wonderful day today. Praise God. I thank you for being here. Be blessed. Enjoy your day. Thank you.